Well, happy Easter, happy Resurrection Day, amen? Glad you're here today. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise again, amen. He's worthy. You know, this is a very special day for me because 31 years ago, actually it was in 1983, um, someone invited my family to church. And um, we, we weren't Christians at all, didn't know anything about God. And, and uh, from that day forward, our lives were changed, gave our lives to the Lord that day. And you know, a lot of people don't really know what Easter really is all about. They, they kind of know, and they might have been in church sometime, maybe they had some background and might have saw a movie about Jesus a little bit or, you know, in and out of that. But so I'm going to answer three questions today. And, and the questions are, what is it all about? What is Easter all about? Who is he? And what does it mean for me? And because, you know, I was growing up, I didn't grow up in a Christian family. I mean, my family, they didn't know Jesus at all. I mean, we weren't bad people. Um, we're pretty good people, but, you know, we just didn't, didn't go to church and didn't grow up that way. My mom, my mom kind of grew up that way when she was in, in Kentucky. That's where she grew up at. But my dad didn't at all. In fact, my, uh, my dad was really totally against Christians. And so me growing up, I didn't really know who God was. And I had a really wrong view of God because I have this gavel here, here for a reason, because I thought God was, was always judging me. Because that's what I saw everybody else doing, especially Christians. And, um, and so I was always judged. When I did something wrong, I mean, he judged me. I mean, there was shame, there was, there was pain, there was, you know, just disapproval. And, and you know, I'm going to be honest with you, that type of understanding of who God was, I didn't want to be around him at all. And so we grew up that way. My house, I mean, we had, we might have, we had one Bible. I think that's all we had. And that Bible was about that big, you know, and it was, it was in the living room on a table. And, and my mom told us, you better not touch that thing, you know, because it was more there for show and act like that we were good people, you know. And, and so we had that thing. It was there because you tell kids not to do something, what we're going to do. We're going to go touch it. And that's what my, my sister and I did. We touched it all the time, opened it up, and looked at it, tried to read it, but didn't understand it. It was in King James English and didn't understand that. had kind of funny writing in it and, and everything. I mean, not only kids. You tell kids not to do something. You tell adults not to do something. They'll do it too, especially here in America. Anyway, but I thought that's what, who God was, that he was always somebody who was, who was, you know, beat me over the head, who didn't like me, who was always judging me. And I, I, you know, I just didn't understand God. And so beyond Easter, you know, we never went to church anyway. Easter was something that all we did is we woke up in the morning and had Easter baskets. And in the Easter baskets were candy. I still carry that tradition today. Amen. Um, but I know more about Easter today. But that's all we want. I mean, my, my family didn't go to church on Easter or Christmas. I mean, there's better things for us to do, we thought. And so because we just didn't understand who God was. And so beyond the Easter eggs, beyond the rabbits, and beyond you know, the new clothes or crosses or anything else, what is Easter all about? Because I had a wrong view of God. And so let's look at this, because I thought God was a judge, but actually, He is a judge. God is a judge, but the way He judges people, I didn't understand. And I had it totally wrong. And so let's, let's take this as in a courtroom setting. And so God being the judge, he is a judge, so he's there as the judge, and he's residing over everything. He's going to judge everything that's going on in this courtroom. And then you have the prosecutor. The prosecutor is the devil, Satan. 
if you don't know who the devil was, he was an, he was an angel and, and he um, rebelled against God. He wanted to overthrow basically God and he hated God for some reason. And also he hates you. The Bible says that we're made in his image and likeness. So every time he looks at you, he sees God. Whether you're a Christian or not, whether you believe in God or not, he sees God because you are made in his image and likeness. And so he hates you. He doesn't like you at all. And so here we got this courtroom. God's the judge. The prosecutor is the enemy, the devil. And Jesus is our defense attorney. And all of humanity is the defendant. That means you and I are on the stand. And here it is, it's all about this loving God, the judge, a heavenly father. And this is what's happening. He longs for companionship with his family, his creation, the crown jewel of all of his creation, mankind. He desires a relationship with us. And so he created this world, all this world, for his masterpiece, you and I. And he built this world around and built us around free will, a choice and responsibility, where there's a reward and consequences. There's blessing for your choice or cursing for your choice, life or death. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, God tells us here, he says, today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessing or cursing. Now I call on heaven to witness the choice you make. And then he goes on, he says, Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. And so here is the firstborn Adam, the firstborn of all mankind. Adam is here and whose actions and decisions will affect everyone who follow him. And so Adam and all of mankind are on the stand. And here's the charges against all of mankind. The firstborn Adam chose to disobey God and to what we call sin. He chose not life, but he chose death. He chose, just like the enemy, the devil chose, he chose to go and rebel against God. And what happened was he chose death. That's what he did. He chose death, eternal separation from God, physical death, and he chose to leave the family. He basically pointed his finger at God and said this, I'm better than you. I know more than you do. And we do the same thing. In fact, every person born since Adam has made that choice in some way in their life. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So all of us have messed up. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you're messed up. You can do it with a smile because we're all in the same boat here. Amen? Man, you guys... You like that too much, you know that? <laughs> Some of you are turning behind you, in front of you. And you're messed up. You're messed up. You're screwed up. Oh, we're not Easter. We're not supposed to say that. Okay. And so here it is, is that we choose that, and we're on the stand. Each of us have made choices contrary to God's plan and will for our lives. And so here's the prosecutor, the devil, and he wants to enforce the consequences of this choice, which is death and separation from God forever. God the judge, though, he wants to find a way to acquit man. He doesn't want to because his desire is for, for us But he is bound by his word. And to compromise his word would compromise all of creation and all that he is. And he can't do it. He is a just God and must bring justice 
and be that just God. And so death is imminent for all mankind and is pronounced and is judged death. But someone steps up. His name is Jesus. He's the Son of God. He is what the Bible says, God's own Word. So when God's Word says, death must happen, He is God's Word. And He stands up. Our advocate, our defender, steps up and keeps God's Word. He chooses to become a man, to take on flesh, to come into our neighborhood, in a sense, and be as we are, and live a life on this earth, yet he never stumbles. He never drops the ball. He makes life his choice at every single crossroad that we have. When we say no and, make, and choose death, he always chooses life. He never messes up. He never drops the ball. And he does way better, in fact, perfectly the way we should have lived and we had the opportunity to live. He's the one who does it. In fact, he is the only one that has ever lived that qualifies for life. But guess what he chooses to do? He chooses to die. He makes the choice. Nobody killed Jesus. Jesus chose to die. He chose to die on the cross. And what he chose to do was to take your wrongdoings, my wrongdoings, my sin upon himself. And he chose that for ourselves. So we wouldn't have to die. He took our place where we were committed to die for death for eternity. He steps in. All of God himself became man and he stepped in. He takes our sin, that thing that separated us from God's death, from our destiny and purpose in this life, from eternity in heaven, from God himself. He took our sin to the cross, died, and went into the tomb. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14, says he canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing the cross. You know what that means? That means all the charges against you and me. How many of you have done something wrong? Everyone in here. So all those charges, past, present, and future, have been nailed to the cross. He took those charges. So it says he canceled the record of those charges. There are, no, there are no more record of those charges against us. And he took it away by nailing it to the cross. And as the only man to ever make life his choice at every crossroad, he, there's something there that he had the right in death that no other man can claim. He still deserved life. And as the prosecutor, the devil argued, God, you must keep your word. You want to choose to do this? Well, let all of mankind live, but your son must die. And he can't do that because his son lived a life perfectly in order of God. And he freely died for you and I. But now God in all of his justice was allowed to resurrect Jesus, the only sinless man, and Jesus becomes the firstborn, the next Adam. You know what that means for us? Because everything else has been wiped away, now Jesus is perfect, and through him, not through me, not through anybody else, but only through Jesus. You can't be good enough. You can't do it yourself. You must come through him. But when we come through him, now we are what the Bible calls holy, righteous, right standing with God. We are perfect in God's eyes. Amen? We have that. We have now be, been declared innocent by the judge. 
So now, God is a judge, but his judgment of sin was on Jesus Christ, but his judgment of innocence is on us. You are innocent, he said. You are innocent by the blood of the Lamb. You are innocent by my Son and what my Son did for you. Romans 5.17 says, For the sin of the one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of righteousness, right standing with Him. For all who will receive it will live in triumph, in victory over sin and death. Through this one man, Jesus Christ. So what is it all about? It's all about us. This whole weekend, Friday, Good Friday through Resurrection Sunday, is all about us. It's all about a God who loves you and I so much, He doesn't want to live without us. So He died for us. We are His favorite. We are the apple of His eyes. His sons and daughters, His family. Easter, Resurrection Day, is all about a loving God proving that His Word is good to us and there is nothing that will change that. So that's what Easter is all about. So who is Jesus? Jesus does these things we call I am statements because that's what He says, I am. I'm going to share four of them with you because it shows us who He is. Number one, He says, I am the bread of life. John 6.35 says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. He is the only one that provides real fulfillment. See, I know what it is like without Jesus. And I know what it's like searching and trying to find something that I have significance in. But the only place I can ever have significance or fulfillment is in Jesus Christ. Because you and I were created to have Him live inside of us. We are created to have that relationship with God. Number two, He says, I am the light of the world. John 8, 12 says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, when disobedience shamed us, Jesus brought forgiveness. He offers real forgiveness. Jesus brought that. And so many people are so insecure about how God views their mistakes. And I was the same way. But Jesus didn't come to show show light on your mistakes. He came to bring light into dark places so you can get out. John 3.17 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. See, Jesus loves you just as you are. So when you come to Jesus, you don't have to get better, you come like you are. He accepts every bit of you, no matter if you just cursed at him before you came in. He wants you to come as you are. The greater thing about his love, he doesn't leave you the same. He makes us better every day. Every day I get better, not because I'm good enough, not because I know a lot, but because God's in me and what we say about his grace, it enables us to be like him. And so Jesus came to set me free, to make me better, not to make me sorry. I love that. The third thing about Jesus and what he says, he says, I am the gate. He says, I am the gate, John 10, 9, and whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. He's the gate. That's the only way we can come is go through him to get to God. That's the only way we'll find forgiveness, fulfillment, and peace. 
And then the fourth thing he says, I am the resurrection. John eleven twenty five through 26 says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. That means that we're going to live forever. This flesh may go away, but my spirit man will live forever, and I will get a new body when he comes back. Amen? And I'll be able to take off my shirt, and no one will throw up, and I'll have a six-pack. <laughs> thank you. Some of you. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> That's who he is. And he loves you, and he's come to empower you. He has come to make your life better. He's come to give you his life in exchange for your life. So what does it mean to me, for me? It means that contrary to what religion says and the culture of this world would have me believe, God is for you and will fight for you. In fact, God is fighting for you all the time, whether you're a Christian or not. He loves you. God has great plans for you and he has a purpose for your life. Something greater than you could ever imagine. God has not forgotten you. You may think he's not there, but he is. Right where you need him, just call to him. He's never left you. And the, thing, the, second, the last thing, he wants to adopt you into his family with all rights and privileges. See, since I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior 31 years ago, I became a son of God. The Bible says I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. That means whatever he has privileges to. I have privileges. Whatever he gets from the Father, I get from the Father. Romans 8.15 says this, So you should not be cowering like fearful slaves. You should behave instead like God's very own children, adopted into his family, calling him Father, dear Father. That's how we should act. And all this world needs to know that that we have an opportunity to become his son or his daughter again. And then when we do, we don't act like people of slaves and fearful anymore. We act like sons and daughters. Amen? And God's plans in my eternity are not based on my performance. This is all what he did for me. And like every one of us, we make choices every day that have rewards and consequences. But the most important choice I could ever make is one, to have a relationship with him, with Jesus, to realize, and we all must do this, we must realize I need him. Watch this. Oh. 
the place we need to be. Realize that I need God. I need a Savior. I need Jesus. Romans 5, 5 says this, and this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us. See, God has proven throughout time that he loves us and cares for us, and he desires to have a relationship with us, and he wants to come into our life and make it new today. For this day can be new. Where we walk in freedom. We walk in his love and acceptance unconditionally. And today can be a new day where your past is gone. And new life can begin. But this is a choice that you have to make yourself. You have to make this choice to receive his life today. And I believe this. God is on the edge of his throne with Jesus waiting, looking at you, and saying, come, please come. He's waiting for us to make that decision. If you have never made that decision, he's saying, come to me. I gave it all so you could have real life, so you could accept my son and live. And he's wanting, he's wanting to say to you, welcome home. Welcome home, my son. Welcome home, my daughter. Come out of the pit. I gave it all for you. So you can have fulfillment. So I can bring light into your life and see that your life becomes better. So I can give you all the peace and love and joy. And I can give you resurrection life. Do you want it?
If you could bow your heads and close your eyes right where you're at. The Easter is all about this today. It's all about will you give your life to Him today? Will you make the choice where the reward is hope and joy and eternity? And so I don't know everyone in here today, but I want to talk to those who have never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I don't mean coming into church. I mean giving your life to Him and allowing Him to change you. And if you've never done that today, today is the opportunity. Today could be your day where you will look back in 31 years. Say, this is the day my life radically changed for the better. I've never looked back and said, I wish it never happened. I'm so grateful for that woman who invited my dad. Didn't know him. He went to unlock her door because he was a locksmith. He says, hey, will you come to church today? This week, he invited her. And we all went. And our lives were forever changed. Will you make that decision today? You might have never done that. He's willing to bring new life to you. But it's your decision. No matter what you've done, he's not mad at you and he doesn't hate you. He loves you. You may be in here today and says, Pastor Sean, I've kind of been away from church for a while. It's okay. God's not mad at you. But I need to give my life back to him. I've taken it back and I want to give it back to him. This is what I want to do. I want to pray for you also. So if that's you, says, Pastor Sean, I want to give my life to Jesus. So I want to give my life back to him. I want to pray with you right where you're at. But I need you to raise your hand to make that step of faith and say, yes, Pastor Sean, that's me. Will you pray for me? Can you raise your hand right now? You can put your hands down once you raise. Okay. Anybody else? There's more. Don't let this day pass you by. Raise your hand and you can put it down. It's an act of faith. Okay. Okay. There's hands going all up. You keep on. Don't let this day pass you by. Listen, you have nothing to do. You can put your hands down. There's nothing you can do except for accept this. Jesus has already done all the work. Anybody else? Pastor Sean, I want to give my life to Christ. Okay? Anybody else? I want to come back to Him. Okay? Thank you, Jesus. Hands gone up all over this place. Lives are going to be changed right now. So this is what I want to do. I want to pray for you. I want to Pray a prayer, and I want you to pray with me. I want everyone in this room is going to do this. I want you to repeat after me this prayer. And those who raise their hands or who want to do it and just didn't raise their hand for one reason or another, believe it with all your heart. Jesus is going to meet you right where you're at, and he's going to come into your life and give you a new life. This is going to be a start of a great journey with the Lord. Amen? So bow your heads again, close your eyes, and let's repeat after me, and you believe it with all your heart. Say, Father God, I come to you right now and I give you my life. I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me, to take my sin, to take my punishment upon himself when he didn't have to. And I thank you for saving me, for taking all my sin and forgiving me and wiping the slate clean. 
So from this day forward, I believe in you. I give you my life. I make you the Lord of my life. And I choose to serve you every single day. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give the Lord praise right now. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, if you did that, what I want you to do, if you raised your hand or you just prayed that prayer and you meant that, and this is something that God's done in you, listen, your face isn't going to change. You're not going to look any different right now. And, uh, but there's going to be a start to change right now, but you need help. We are family here. We want to help you. And so if you get out your bulletins, everybody do that right now. Get out your bulletin. There is a connection.